Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt. I am Chris in Detroit, hosting once again today. Uh, not alone today, brought a friend with me, an old friend. Uh, you might remember him. I'll get to him in a minute. But my friend from last week, I got to give a shout out to Art in Seattle. Uh, he picked a perfect 1-1 score. I made fun of him. I told him because he was hosting, he couldn't be eligible for the prize pack. But guess what? I'm I'm a nice guy, and I run the merch program. So, Art, we're going to get you a half-pod prize pack in the mail. A uh, reminder to our other listeners, if you want a prize pack from half-pod, free of charge, just uh, shoot us your prediction on Instagram, Discord, uh, Twitter. Matt does a great job with our Instagram, at Frankfurt. Um, on Twitter at HEF pod on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash HEF pod. However you find us, get in touch with us. Um, we're, we've got a, uh, link on our website, halfpod.com where you can submit your prediction that way and be eligible for a prize pack. So, uh, be lucky like art and make a good pick and good things will come your way via us postal service. So, my co-host tonight, after a nice long break, uh, fresh off the sunny strip of Las Vegas, Matt in New York. How you doing, buddy? Been a while, my guy. Been a while. It's good to be back, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this doesn't sound like it was a long hiatus after saying I was in Vegas for <laughs> forever long. It was my last time on this show, which I was not, people. And if I was, I'd be double and broke, but... <laughs> um, nah, man, it, it's good to be back and nothing better than coming off a buying trip, uh, just to give people a little background of what's been going on. I've actually would recently engaged about a month and a half ago. So I've been dealing with that already planning the wedding. We already have a venue and stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you. So it's been a little crazy, especially with the holidays and stuff like that. I have a bunch of traveling, like you mentioned, Vegas. I'm going again away in late February, going again away in March. Um, and then I was supposed to go away in July, but that's not happening. So at least we'll have some. I'll be able to be more available between then. But uh, no, good to be back for a little bit here, Chris. And um, damn, what a game to be back for. Backing up for a second, how does she feel about a red and black stripe tuxedo for you? I think that would look great. Some traditional Frankfurt striping, maybe just the bow tie if you want to be a little more subtle. Oh, there'll be there'll be an eagle crest involved somewhere, whether it's going to be on the shirt or a little pin and stuff like that. We'll get there. Maybe I'll wear a ring like uh, Big Tom does. There you go. We got we got time to plan that out for you. Don't worry. We'll, no, we'll we make got sure twenty twenty four, fall of twenty twenty four. So long time. Yeah. So let's get into this one. Um, after opening up with a little bit of up and down in the second half of the season, uh, a win versus Schalke, but nothing convincing. Uh, Freiburg, nothing convincing. Coming out against Bayern, in my opinion, a 1-1 draw was still nothing convincing. But one thing I am convinced about, we have turned a corner. The fact that I'm feeling disappointment about a draw <laughs> in Munich, uh, that says the world to me beyond anything that happened on the pitch. What are your thoughts after this draw? I think you're a little crazy with that take, but I love it because I, <laughs> because I think I, because I, the difference is because I don't think I can accept that 
we should be up there, you know? And, you know, you're, I think you're probably right, you know? Like, this is kind of the disappointment where, like, you know, back in the day where the Classica used to be a big thing, you know, Dortmund tying against Bayern was always a disappointment. And now that there's a Frankfurt fan saying that is kind of crazy. So maybe I'm not there ready to say that yet with you, Chris, but... I, I think after coming off a 7-1 defeat or 6-1 defeat in the first game, I think this is a perfect, perfect response. Um, I know Archie and uh, uh, Uwe or the other ESPN report, I can I always forget how to pronounce his name right, but they were already saying how, like, you know, we've only beaten Bayern uh, in Munich, like, four times in total and stuff like that, yeah. and, you know, counting last year's recent one. Um, I thought this was a really good performance. I mean, definitely uh, good to like kind of come back. You know, we haven't lost in about like six, seven games now. It seems it feels like um, it's unbelievable that Byron has tied three games in a row, which is you know I didn't think we were, I I didn't think we were going to tie them. I thought you know Byron's due against us. Like we're in Munich, it wasn't going to be you know a good showing and whatnot. But you know, clearly I was completely wrong. I mean, not granted. You know, we made some mistakes, and Leroy Sada should have never been that wide open in the box. But, dude, RK, the emergence of RKM just keeps growing and growing. And, like, the fact that he's just such a such a stud, says he plays with confidence. Like, like his goal celebration, he was just, like, staring at the Bayern fans and didn't even raise his arms. He's like, yeah, what else is new? You know, Stoke. like, that's the kind of attitude he has right now. Yeah. Uh, I had some questions coming out of the heartbreak that he suffered in that World Cup final where he came within literally a matter of inches from winning it for France. Um, I was really concerned about his confidence being shot, but I think he's shown us quite the opposite. Uh, that it, it, it wasn't, it, it was a shot in a good way. I mean, he's got this confidence in him that just will not go away. Um, he really brings it every game. And I didn't think this was his best game as far as creating chances, but you saw what I talked about last week where Kolomowani has this ability to use his body in a tight space when the defender closing in on him, just that subtle quarter turn to the left with his body creates just enough space to get on the proper foot, to get the ball, um, to put the placement of the ball in the far corner. Um, I, I mean, for my money, he's the best player in the Bundesliga right now. It, oh, I, for sure. We've been calling it since, like, week three, dude. <laughs> right, but it, you expect at some point water would find its level, and we'd be talking about Sané or somebody like that. Uh, that's just not the case here. It's Randall Kolomuani by a mile. If you look at his contribution for us, the way he stands up statistically to the rest of the league, uh, he is not backing down. And... While I'm just on a on fire right now with giving praise, I got to look to our defense. Um, the The move by OG to go a little bit older in the middle in the back end uh, with Hasebe on the back line and Rhoda in the middle, uh, it it didn't give me a lot of confidence going in. I love those guys, but they're old and they're slow, and Byron is not slow. Um, but they played well, and I thought Hasebe right. played that goal wrong. He gave way too much space in the middle and didn't have enough time to recover. Whatever. We allowed a goal. 
Yeah, what what else do you expect do. from a thirty nine year old at that point? You know, and I, I agree with you as well. I honestly was kind of shitting on the on the putting Hasebe in the, in the back because I honestly thought we were playing four in the back with you know Indika Hasebe and then Tuto and Buta on the yeah. wings. You yeah. know, um, I wasn't really sure how we were going to handle that, but I'm glad that I mean Buta looked pretty solid for his first you know start with us. Like I I, I I'm I'm glad that we are showing some uh, showing our depth a little bit more on the defensive side of things. Um, but just kind of tracking back to Kolomani, you know the. The, he's he's going to end up being like winning both like top score and top assists in the league. You know, as long as Nicholas I hate Fulton's... making those predictions because I feel like you know what we say on this podcast jinxes players and their real life, and I don't ever want to be responsible for that. I'm just <laughs> too superstitious, I guess. But yeah, man, look, it was by a mile not even a great performance from our offense. But when we went down one nil. Um, how many times have we seen a late first half goal? It wasn't really late, like 30-something minute. Um, but especially for Bayern, when they score one, they almost always get that second. But then we talk right. about this is not a typical Bayern team. They put a lot of pressure on us in the 10 minutes before the half after that goal, and our guys held up really well. Um, yeah, Kevin you know, Trapp standing on his head, the usual yeah, thing. Yeah, he did. We didn't ask him to do a ton, but in that 10-minute stretch before the half, he really kept us in there. And then we regrouped at halftime and we came out and I thought we were absolutely without question, the better team in that second half. I agree. I agree. And I think what was a big key factor of that one was subbing in Daichi Kamada because, you know, I've always been, I mean, before Kamada blew up a little bit more twins at the end of last season. And now this season, obviously I've always been on the verge of, you know, Kamada be such an effective player on the bench and, you know, lo and behold, he assisted, you know, RKM, you know? So yep. I, I mean, you know, like I said, I was very skeptical in the, you know, the lineup at the first side, but the way we kind of came out, came out and the way we finished and stuff like that, the substitution of Kamada, Yakich even, I mean, Bore as well, even though it was a stupid ass yellow card. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. I thought it was good to see Kamada. He's always been a big game player. He'll disappear against Schalke or, you know, who name whoever you name down the table, but against the top teams in the top moments when they really matter, the guy shows up. And how many times have you seen him seen him stumble on a ball like that when there's open space in front of him and just kind of lose track of the ball or lose his footing and think, oh, great, here we go again. But then he plays a calm pass over to RKM and magic happens. So, Dude, him and, him and Lindstrom are thriving at the perfect time right now. They're both literally playing in their primes right now or, you know, to their potential at this point. And it's just it, – it, it's clicking so well on the offensive side of things for us that <laughs> uh, yeah. we're just I'm, – I'm not going to say what aspirations I have now. But, you know, <laughs> like like I said, I feel like towards the end of this episode, you're going to start convincing me that this was a disappointment of an ep- uh, of a result, you know. And that's kind of crazy to say, especially against a freaking Bayern Munich, who, by the way, I don't remember the last time they've tied three Bundesliga games in a row, you know, like – that is, I, I want I want to look up the stat of when the last time they were where they've accomplished that. I feel like it wasn't in the past ten years they had that run, but no, the ESPN shared on, that. But I think it, I I want to say it was back in the seventies time period. It's been a while. Um, damn, I, I was gonna save it for table talk, but I'll I'll bring it up right now. Um, there are only four teams in the table that have not won a match in the three games of the the since the restart. 
That's Schalke, Hertha, uh, Stuttgart, and Bayern. And Bayern. That's ha. not good competition to be in. <laughs> oh, my God. That, uh, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> it does. So it does. Good. But at the same time, um, we haven't done a lot to help ourselves in these last two draws either. Falling a bit in the table from number two at one point down to number six. Um, as we stand now, it's six. But we might as well get right into the table talk here. Um, but the schedule is about to lighten up a little bit. I, I'm not too concerned with that. We're, we're, we were not playing well, but we still took, um, five out of a possible nine points and the four points that we dropped were to top teams in the table. So I don't think there should be panic here. I know we haven't been scoring goals at the clip we're accustomed to right now, but you know, Freiburg's a good team. Bayern's a good team. Exactly. Exactly. The only uh, there's a bunch. There's a few factors that I'm really, really scared of right now. And there's three teams. It's Union Berlin that are going off. Well, actually, it's everyone in front of us that's going off. I'm not too worried about Leipzig, but Wolfsburg and Leverkusen seem like they have gotten you know CPR and have revived themselves because they are going on a tear right now. I mean, granted, Wolfsburg just lost to Bremen, but and so did Leverkusen. But you know it. They're, they're going to be challenging us in the, in the you know, the top six as well. And it's going to get tight, man. I mean, I know it's going to only five points between first place, but it's, you know, it's only four points to get out of the, or sorry, three points to get out of the whole European chase overall. So here's the thing, though. We're done with Bayern already. You know, we don't have to worry about Bayern at all. The only few teams you have to worry about now are like, obviously, the Dortmund, the Leipzig, um, and then obviously Mainz because God damn, do we not play well against them? So it's, I mean, obviously we're looking way too far ahead right now, but you know, the, the, I, the key takeaway I think from this game is that, you know, it was a great result. It was a great response to come out of, you know, coming down from one, nothing in by in Munich and in the cold as well. And it's, you know, I definitely think all the praise goes, you know, to the lineup, to RKM, obviously um, the defensive side of things, Kevin Trapp continuing to stand on his head, um, and I mean, it was just a, it's just a really, really good second half performance, which, you know, propelled everything. I really liked what I saw from Jabril. So we talk about it every week, how important he is. I saw a little more aggression from him offensively than we're accustomed to a couple longer, more aggressive passes and a nice long shot in the 80th or so minute that, you know, was a little wide, but I like seeing that effort from him. Um, we kind of opened up our creative minds there in the last 20, 30 minutes. And I, there's not a lot of teams in the last 10 years that have the guts to take the game to Bayern. And that is the way to beat them. That's been our success, whether it was the, the five, one victory that had Kovac sacked or the, the victory last year or a decent performance this weekend in a comeback what we have done to be successful in those matches is take the game to them, not allow them to sit on the ball and get comfortable. And I think right now we have the right combination of players at the right positions. While we're not going to be able to bring it for 90 minutes nonstop, we can have the right combination of players at the right time to make things happen. They know the situation. You're down one. Doesn't mean you have to get two right off the bat. In order to get two, you have to get one first. And while the second one never came, there was no doubt in my mind, uh, once we weathered that storm from Bayern after their goal, 
there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to get one. And then after that, I was pretty confident we were going to get a second one. Never came, but, you know, maybe with five more minutes, we could have had it. And that's a good spot to be in against a team that, let's be honest, they're the most talented team in Germany. From 1 through 11 and 1 to 18 in their lineup, they're the best team in Germany. And to play up to them for as long as we did and take a point on the road is a good weekend. Yeah, it, and I agree. I definitely agree. I mean, this is, you know, I'm glad that we kind of cracked this, like, streak now of Bayern beating us because, you know, they've beaten us the past two times. Now we kind of tied them. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're the best team in Europe. And, you know, it's it's kind of great to see because, you know, this is kind of a little bit of a confidence booster when we go into Napoli, you know, another team that's kind of thriving, you know, in their league currently. So, um, no, I mean, I, I, I take the tie. I mean, I know you hate to hate this, but I take the tie as a win. You know, I think this is definitely something that, you know, we could build. Uh, this is something that's going to help us out in future games. Like when we do play, you know, the Dortmund, uh, the, I guess, Union Berlin now, RB Leipzig and, you know, Napoli when it comes to Champions League. So, I mean, yeah, cheers, cheers to the boys. Cheers to Glasner with his uh, skeptical tactical um, uh, initiatives <laughs> at first, which proved us very or proved me very, very wrong. And um, yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, taking a, bo- a point even out of Munich is something that should be celebrated for sure. I hate moral victories. I don't subscribe to that <laughs> line of thinking, but. Uh, you have too much experience happened. in that. That's why for for your American fandom, you've way too much moral victory experience. Where you know you, you call bullshit on that now. It's true. That that's fair. But I will say, um, given what happened in match day one, I, I I don't expect either of us to admit that it was a good thing that that happened because it was thoroughly embarrassing and it went out to a worldwide audience. Um, but I feel yeah. like I feel like there might have been just a bit of good to come out of that in the way that that we were alert and aware of just how dangerous Byron can be and we took that caution with us into this match more so than you know if that other one had played out differently yeah I could I could I'll stand behind that so let's look at the table we mentioned it before uh, where things stand after 18 match days played we're solidly now into the second half of the season uh, Byron's still at the top of the table, and I don't know if this is a surprise. No one's caught by surprise here if they're paying attention. But Union Berlin, probably not known to a lot of people beyond Germany, um, but they're sitting one point behind Byron, and they're playing some of the best ball in the league right now. Who just I didn't signed see Isco, this by weekend, the way. But they are red hot. They just signed Isco this, uh, today as well. I did not see that either. So yeah, they're loading up. They're they're definitely growing. I mean, they're, they're, it's 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 great how successfully are kind of continuing from last year. You know, the same thing with Leipzig or, or sorry with Freiburg. Um, it it it's it's fun. You know, it's kind of it's awesome kind of seeing the Bundesliga diverse because you know you only usually really hear about the top three because, I mean, yeah, granted, you know, the the only the only top five league that has any sort of you know. 
uh, inconsistency instead of uh, league winners of the Premier League. But granted, you know, they throw millions of dollars at, you know, everyone at this point, uh, which is a whole other issue that uh, that needs to be addressed at another time. But it, it's fun that, you know, there, there's actually teams challenging. I mean, you know, Union Berlin is only a point behind, you know, Bayern right now. And Freiburg is only three points behind Bayern. And we're only five points behind Bayern. We're half, we're officially halfway through the season. And to be able to say that is nuts, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the, the state of the league is definitely in good hands. I mean, would I like to see Shaka back up there? Sure. Do they have a lot of problems? Yes. I mean, that's their problem. Stuck, do I have, would I like to see Stuka up there? Yeah, but they just lost their, a center midfielder to a, to a, a Premier League team. So they're, they're not, they're probably not going to be going up and Bochum is probably going to get saved through that. Um, I mean, it, it, this it's crazy. This it, I I mean, I love the Bundesliga just because of that, and it's just become so much more competitive now. Or yeah. I guess not not to say not to say it wasn't competitive before, but people are seeing how competitive it is now compared to you know in recent years. Yeah, uh, there are five points that separate sixth place Frankfurt from first place Bayern right now, and to have that in the second half of the league, or I'm sorry, the second half of the schedule where usually there was separation between the top two, definitely maybe the top three a few years, top four rarely, to have six teams within five points of the top right now. And at the bottom of the table, um, to have four teams, five if you want to go out to the mathematical probability of three points, there are five teams fighting that relegation battle. So really the, the top third and the bottom third of the table are up for grabs. And it makes for some really exciting matchups. There's not really a, a matchup out there, minus, you know, a, a Bremen versus Mines or a Leverkusen versus Cologne that doesn't have some sort of impact. You know, there's yeah. very few true mid table teams here. You got a top third, a bottom third, and the middle is just going to try to cause chaos. And well, it's going to be so much fun every week. I wouldn't even say that. I mean, the, the biggest point differential right now between two teams is only four points, you know? That means, you know, everybody's within a, you know, I guess in American terms, a game and a half with each other, you know, or even two games, yeah. you know? It's uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, you, we can, you can still somehow, you know, potentially even see, I don't know, Mainz making a push for the top six towards the end of the season or even all the way down to Hoffenheim, you know? Um, it only takes two wins and, you know, two wins in the right place in the schedule and you've just reversed a month of frustration. So exactly you know, as much as it was difficult to watch us drop four points over the last two weeks, um, the schedule opportunity is there. Freiburg is going to have a tough run. Dortmund, Leipzig, Union and Bayern are all going to have difficult points in their schedule coming up. And we've got more too. Um, but thankfully things are going to lighten up just a little bit. We're going to talk about the matchup with Hertha coming up. Um, later in the show but after that we've got the pokal match against darmstadt i know some listeners of this show are looking to that one old traditional rivalry local rivalry um yeah it's gonna be exciting i let's just peek ahead for two seconds on that one (laughs) uh could that catch us catch us off guard i mean we're so focused on qualification in the league right now they're focused on beating us. I mean, they, they're in their own promotion battle, but they're going to bring it really tough next Tuesday. Not 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 only are they being successful to try to Bundesliga right now, but throw away any sort of, like, you know, talent. Like, doesn't matter if you put, you know, 
you a U eighteen player on there, or even like Messi or Ronaldo on you know on either side, you know it's not going to be an easy game for either in either games. I'm either yeah. teams, especially for us. I mean, this this is where rivalry um, comes into play way more than you know any sort of skill, any sort of tactical things, anything like that. You know, it's going to come to really who wants it more. And I'm going to kind of we're going to add this ad lib this one on the go here because as I look at our schedule, this is probably our last recording before that one. Um, I love the fact that that match is at home for us. Not that it's difficult travel. It's a bus ride away, but it's, it's the stadium factor. Uh, just having our home fans there in copious numbers is going to be beneficial because even though that stadium in Darmstadt is, you know, it's getting upgraded, but it's basically a third, <laughs> shithole. third tier shithole stadium. Um, they they play up to the audience and they play up to the game, and that that could catch us like we've seen at um, Mannheim or some of the other early season uh, cup matches. I try to forget about. Um, I like the fact that that one is at home. Uh, do you have a prediction on that one? I'm going to say two to one Frankfurt. I think Darmstadt yeah. plays it close and difficult, but I think we pull away in the end. I'll ride that with you. We're not going to have a clean sheet in this one, but I'll ride the two one victory on our side of things. Even though it's a kind of a quick turnaround from Saturday's league match to Tuesday, I want to keep the foot on the gas with our top players in there. I don't want to go to any sort of B lineup. I think we need to keep that rhythm going through the Champions League. Um, I think it's too early in the restart to go to a B squad. Would you agree? I would. The only thing I would have to say about that is in the month of February, we literally play six games. And so we literally play a game every four days. So we play on the 4th, and then we play again on the 7th, which is three days. Then from the 7th to the 12th, which is four days. From the 12th to the 18th, which is six days, six days, which is actually kind of nice. But then we do... Champions League, which is the 21st, and then we have a Bundesliga again the 25th. So for February to have a short month, we have a lot of games. Yeah, there's no room to breathe at this point. Um, the treble is alive at the moment, and we're going to ride that until it's no longer a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God, I would have thought we could even say it, utter the words treble. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it until it's mathematically not possible anymore. Uh, let's I'm get telling to you, some... you're convincing me to really make this 1-1 draw a really real big disappointment now. <laughs> I'm going to get you there by the end of the show. Let's uh, read some of the feedback from our listeners. Uh, again, if you want to get in touch with the show, give us your feedback on how you thought things went, where you think things are going. Uh, we'll read a couple of them off during each episode. Uh, Torsten in South Carolina uh, tells us on Facebook, Glasgow... Glasner made effective changes to the starting 11. Uh, the biggest surprise to anyone must have been boots on the starting lineup. Matt, you mentioned that. Uh, Torsten says, if I had to make the call, I would have kept him at, uh, replaced him at halftime. He seemed like a weak point. However, uh, the coaching staff saw something we didn't, and his confidence must have grown in the second half. And I totally agree with that. Um, it was a little bit of a surprise to me. I didn't know where we were going with that lineup at the start. Uh, but Buta definitely looked stronger as the match went on, and my confidence in him is going from almost unknown to highly confident, even though it's a 
short amount of tape that we've seen. What do you think about no, Buta? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, listen, I mean, the goal didn't come from Buta's side, right? So that was definitely the the biggest, uh, you know, or one of the biggest things that could have helped him out in there. I mean, I see why Glasner went that way, just because, you know, putting Smoltich in there in the first game of the season wasn't the best decision. So, you know, putting Buta there, kind of having that uh, old man Hasebe there, kind of hang, holding it all down. Um, although, you know, he was a little slow in his goal, uh, uh, getting to the goal. I mean, what do you expect from a 39-year-old? Um, no, I think I, I I definitely agree with both of you with this. Yeah. Um, Neil out in Phoenix, uh, one of the founders of EFC Arizona, uh, he says, I was happy to see we didn't lose or tie a bottom feeder at the start. Uh, to start the year, we didn't look ahead to Byron on a short week and took a point. Then the icing on the cake was leaving Byron with a point after a touch, tough match and one day less rest. It, yeah, I didn't even think about that really until we were discussing it uh, here in Detroit at the bar that Byron had that extra day of rest. That's not, doesn't mean a lot, you know, most days, but when you're playing the amount of short weeks we are, uh, thankfully this one was at the start, but those short weeks and, you know, that extra day of rest can be an advantage, especially for an experienced team like Bayern is. Yeah, I mean, they have the capability to put a, quote, what they call a B team, which, you know, 80% of other professional teams would prefer to have as an A team, you know. So the rest the rest thing to big teams is should never be a factor because, you know, they have the money, they, they have the talent on their bench as well. You know, they don't utilize a lot of players, which, like I said, teams would die for. Um, yeah, that's not really a concern. That's not, that, that's just not a, uh, argue, argument that Bayern fans can have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to get ready for a break here, a segment break, but first, uh, Matt, I'm sure you did some drinking out in Vegas, maybe one or two, right? Ooh, a couple here and there. <laughs> what were you drinking or what are you drinking today? Well, right now I'm just having a good old Jim Bean whiskey. Um, nothing too crazy. Just nice little, uh, I guess, a podcast sort of drink just to kind of get the throat smooth. But nothing nuts. Good. Nothing wrong with that. Did you have anything really good out in Vegas? You know, how many pool gambling, beers was... did you have? How many what? How many pool beers or pool drinks? It, I we. I don't think they're legal in Michigan because any none of our resorts have the swim up bars. That was one of my favorite parts in Vegas, and then I saw how fucking like dirty they are, and it's just disgusting. <laughs> but <laughs> the pool drinks are fun until you drop like thirty bucks on them. Well, the pools aren't really open in January, so I wasn't really hanging out by the pools at all. I mean, it only gets to like fifty, sixty degrees there, and then at night it's like thirty because it's in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> but um. No, I, th- I mean, you know, I was drinking the Coronas when I was gambling, and then I guess we had the, you know, the typical touristy big-ass uh, slushy things from Fat Tuesdays, so that was actually pretty, pretty good, but, dude, espresso martinis as well. We we can only get them from Italian restaurants, but there's this one at martinis. the Venetian. Oh, my God. I could have a six of them and fall asleep at the bar happy. <laughs> there with you. Uh, speaking of the coffee flavors, uh, tonight I am drinking... My favorite, uh, my favorite old school Detroit beer. I say old school. It was founded in '97 uh, in Detroit's Rivertown Atwater Brewery. Their famous export vanilla Java Porter. It's like Ooh. dark coffee flavors with hints of vanilla, a little bit of chocolate in there. 
absolutely okay. like like really truly very old school in the craft beer scene it, it was super popular in the early 2000s when nobody knew what craft beer was but it stands <laughs> the test of time now there's a million of them and this one is still one of the better ones so Man. yeah I wish I like porters a little bit more or stouts yeah. and stuff like that, but maybe that just comes with, uh, it's an acquired taste and comes with age. So maybe when I'm 30, I'll get there. You'll get there. It, you know, you got to get over that student loan stuff first and then you'll graduate <laughs> to uh, craft beer. <laughs> no, the student loans will go to my death at this point. God bless America. So that for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to wherever you toast the Eintracht, we toast you. We'll be back for segment two. Prost. Welcome back to segment two uh, with Matt in New York, Chris here in Detroit, episode 253 of Half Pod. So it's not That's only crazy. the reason. It is crazy. We just I'm did sorry, 200 a while ago. We got to start damn. planning 300. I know. I know. Hopefully, I mean, Brian will hope to be back by then, but that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. We're going to get Brian back on soon. He, I was just talking with him earlier. He's He's still heavily involved with the show. And leading into our next segment, um, Brian's been working behind the scenes. We're going to have some new frown content coming up um, because Woo-hoo! it's not just the return of Matt in New York. It's the return of the on-track Frankfurt frown. They've had a long break as well, almost two months off um, for the women of Frankfurt. It's been kind of an up and down year. Um, the start of the the Champions League before the league play even started with the Champions League qualification round up in Denmark and the loss there is just kind of a stunner to Ajax. And still to me, I, I don't think I've emotionally recovered from that one as far as the hopes that I had coming into the season for this group. Um, but in yeah. league play, in league play, they're sitting okay. Um, Wolfsburg is still the heavy, heavy favorites right now. Uh, through 10 matches played in the 22-match season, Wolfsburg is on a perfect 30 points, 35 goals for, 5 against, a what plus 30 five goal nothing. difference. It's nuts. What's that? What plus 5 nothing. Yeah, um, and that's not bad, considering what they've done to some other teams. Um, it's, it's another situation where this group has made fantastic steps forward um, after the rebranding from FFC to Eintracht and and bringing in a lot of young talent, the development is there. They're solidly in that top tier, but we're also a step behind Wolfsburg and Bayern, the top two women's teams in Germany. I thought the step was coming this year. There's still time for it to happen, but we are running out of time. There's 11 matches left in the season. I'm sorry, 12 matches left in the season starting this weekend with Meppen. I'm probably butchering that name. German no, style. perfect. I got it. Meppen. Fantastic. Meppen. <laughs> That's way up north, uh, lower Saxony north. 
Um, not Bremen North, south of there, but uh, yeah, I had to look on a map. It's a smaller town um, near the Dutch border. But this is one where it's probably a safe way to come out of the break. Um, a mid-table team that doesn't score a lot of goals, and they don't give up a ton, but they don't score a lot either. Kind of a up and down. Their last five, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Um, we're not a lot better with some mixed results, but I think it's a safe one, um, especially going on the road. That's on Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern time here in the States, 1600 uh, Central European time. I'm working on a stream for that one. If I find it, I'll share it with people. If you find it, share it with the show. Uh, we do have some televised matches coming up on ATA football in the near future. Um, the schedule is going to be an interesting one here, too, uh, for the women's side. Because once you get through the mid-table Meppen match, it's Bayern again. Um, and that's the one that we're chasing in the table. And that's going to be a Saturday morning early slot uh, matchup on Saturday the 11th. So kind of a trap game where you might get caught looking ahead. Um, We're healthy at the moment, uh, but anything can happen when you come off of a restart. I I think we beat Meppen. Um, I'll have to see how things look before I make a prediction on Bayern, but we'll definitely have more for that one next weekend. Matt, how do you think this restart for the women? Um, kind of a rocky season in the first half compared to what we were expecting. From your experience in the soccer world, is the roller coaster good for resetting the mind as a player when you get a break like that? Or does it, do you just kind of want to get out there and figure it out? I can see it working either way, having a long break like this. It's either a mental reset or it's, hey, we've been dying to get back out there for two months. I mean, it really it's a really case-by-case situation, but especially with the ladies' case, you know, kind of bouncing back after, you know, getting whooped by Wolfsburg. Um, beating Potsdam through nothing going into the break was probably the, the best okay. thing could have happened for us to really go into, like, all right, like, what did we do wrong against Wolfsburg? How did we do things right against Potsdam? How do we fix things against Wolfsburg and Bayern as it comes to it? Um, do we, uh, do I think we're going to fix those, uh, or do I think, can we fix those mistakes easily for sure? Definitely can happen. Do I think we'll be able to, I don't know. Depends because Wolfsburg, like you said, is on a tear right now. Byron is on a tear right now. Um, I mean, we're on a tear as well, but you know, we have to beat Wolfsburg and Byron to, you know, be, you know, be, to be competing with them and stuff like that. And we are kind of competing. It's going to, it's going to be a little, it's going to be a little tough, you know? So, I mean, Mepa is going to be another not really great challenge for us because, you know, they've only scored about like eight goals or something like that. But it's definitely going to be a little bit of a confidence booster going into Bayern and start figuring things out on both the defensive and offensive side of things. And, you know, hopefully bring in good momentum with Mepa. And then, you know, once we beat Bayern, you know, Lord knows, you know, where we where that confidence can bring us when we, you know, play Potsdam again, we play Freiburg and Hoffenheim and whatnot. So, um, and that's that's where I think. Having the restart, I mentioned it before the men's match um, um, last week. I think having early road games, or the Freiburg match, I mentioned it for the men. Having early games after the break on the road, you get back into that routine of travel and the hotel and all those things that get your focus kind of off the long vacation you just had, off the the unconventional training um, that, that you went through on your own time or the training camps 
uh, that both sides went through, you kind of get back into that routine on a road trip. And at home, sometimes you get more distractions, uh, family and otherwise, you know, it, I think the road match at the restart here is going to be a beneficial thing. And then hopefully we're in a position to catch Bayern uh, next weekend. I mean, it's hard to believe the matches are coming that quick. Matches of um, of um, matches of what's the word I'm looking for? Important matches. Important um, matches. <laughs> matches of consequence. That's what I was going for. The consequences will be huge against Bayern, but only if they take care of business this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I never thought of like, you know, going on a away game kind of resets the mindset and stuff like that, but I'm definitely behind you on that. And I'm glad that that's kind of how we're starting, you know, so that when we are, you know, away to Bayern uh, the following week, you know, we know what to expect, how to handle it, you know, kind of have the same routines and whatnot and prepare the same way even, or if anything, prepare better. Agreed, a hundred percent. So that is uh, what did I say? Uh, Sixteen hundred Central European time, ten a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Uh, share your streams, ATA football. We love you. Please send us more streams. I know you're working on it. We appreciate you sharing the women's game here in the United States. So we talked about last week for the men. We talked about this week for the women. Let's talk about this week for the men. Eintracht Frankfurt, back at home, Hertha Berlin. I've looked at this one top to bottom because I, I kind of borrowed the phrase for the women's side, but this is truly a trap game, not a Kevin trap game. This is a legitimate trap game for the men's side because yep. the schedule, while it, it's slightly lighter as far as the quality of play coming up, um, it's one that in the past we struggle with. Hertha Berlin sacking um, Freddie Bobich this week. Nothing put a bigger smile on my face. I don't know how you feel about that, Matt. Oh, my God. Did you see him <laughs> bitch at the reporter after they kept asking him about, uh, like, the coaching decision? And then he got fired afterwards. And he, well, what he told the reporter was, like, I'm going to, like, smack you across the face next time you ask me that kind of question. So, uh, Absolutely yeah. savage of the club, mm -hmm. too, to tag his Twitter in their public announcement. I mean, I, hey, I don't know if I've ever what seen a flip. anything like that. What <laughs> a flip. I mean, it's crazy how, how this guy's career kind of flipped. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, there's something on the internal side that wasn't going right, but I'm glad that we're, we were able to avoid something like that. Thankful for the times, but glad that, I guess, he made that decision to go to Berlin. So, yeah. Man, I know it's not this, wasn't, this wasn't part of our original... Uh, show plan, but I'm going to mention the fact that some of the names that have left us in recent years for supposedly greener pastures, so many of them have been out of that follow on job in such quick time or in short time. Um, the grass, the only really one is Sebastian Holler. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was speaking more from the management side and the, the technical side than oh, the player yeah. side, but I mean, you know, Freddie Bobich, like, I, I get it. He went more for personal reasons. The guy literally owned the city of Frankfurt. He, he would have done anything to keep him there. But his heart was in Berlin, and that's understandable. But when you look at just how quickly that fall from grace happened, because he didn't have the resources provided for him that I think they were 
promising a lot more than they offered financially. I mean, you look at at their their roles right now, they're not spending anything. Um, their payroll is shit. And, you know, while you want to go somewhere else, maybe a bigger name or a bigger city or whatever it is, your personal reasons are your own. But the grass might not be greener. And we've seen that uh, from the if coaching side. If we literally kept the, the people from the past five years, whether it's on the coaching staff or on the player staff or anything like that, and we kept everyone to who we, what we have in the acquisitions we did, the stadium will be filled with statues. We probably yes. be winning what you said a treble early, which would be unbelievable to think about. I mean, the only real winners that have left us in the past five years are Sebastian Haller and maybe Ante Rebic. I mean, Kostic maybe, but look what happened to Juve. They got deducted a couple of points after being some financial frauds. Um, Luka Jovic, what happened to him? He's in Italy for a little bit right now. I mean, I don't know if he's still there. Um, I mean, dude, you can make the list go on and on and on and on, but well, let's have this debate, Matt. I'm, I'm of the opinion that a player owes us nothing because they have a limited amount of time to make as much money as possible to set up themselves, their family and their future generations for as long as possible. I cannot get mad at Luka Jovic for going to Real Madrid for more money. That's a no brainer. Um, Kostic wanted to go to Italy for the longest time. Um, we probably should have lost him a year earlier to Lazio. That is what it is to me. But, you know, the players I'm a little more sympathetic to. You have maybe 10 to 12 years to make as much money as possible if you can stay healthy. For me, it's on the the sporting side of things, or the, the uh, front office side. Uh, you know, Adi Hooter. I don't know what was going on in his mind with that one. I mean, I know there's dynamics in the front office that we're not privy to, but so many situations here where I'm thankful we have the guys we have, and eventually they're probably going to find what they think is a better position to go to. But if you can make it in Frankfurt with the amount of pressure that us as fans put on this club and the amount of frustration that is pent up, if you can win here, like you said, we will build statues. We will crowdsource right. statues. Halfpod. Brian will break out his checkbook and throw a, a, a statue up in honor of whomever can bag that Kamada. Champions League winning goal. Kamada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put it on a little island with a moat around it, and we'll name it the Brian Sanders uh, Daichi Kamada Memorial Island or something. I don't know. But... Like, like put, a, put in quotations where it all started? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I, I got us way off topic, but Freddie Bobich getting sacked is just another sign to me that the business side of football sometimes blinds people from the reality of when you have a good thing going, keep it going and keep your eyes straight forward. Anyway, getting back into the match. Um, Frankfurt obviously playing better than Hertha this year. They're a mess. But statistically, um, Frankfurt's goals uh, above expected goals. I, I'm not a big fan of the XG stat. I think it's kind of bullshit. But our goals above projection is absolutely astonishing. And Hertha's about the complete opposite. They're several goals below expectation. So, can, can you explain that to me and the listeners like a five-year-old? Like, I'm a gambling man. Like, I understand, like, 
goal line spreads and stuff like that. Does what 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 does that line mean? Does it say like we're going to beat Hatchet by two goals or what is what is that? So, if it's too is, long, then maybe we can do this offline. Well, but. let me put it this way: my wife is the actual uh, data scientist in our household, but the way that it's calculated is based on the the percentage of times that a goal of that nature should be scored. A shooter on the proper foot in the proper place with a defender X amount of yards away. It's a mathematical equation. It's not, this is Kisinovich and we know he's going to shoot it 30 yards over the goal. It's this average player in an average situation, the average amount of times that shot is taken. That's the XG. Now, it doesn't take in the human factor, the guy that misses the net 90% of the tries, or the guy that hits the net 90% of the tries. That's where the goals actually go above or below the expectation. Um, When your guy is Randall Kolomuani or Philip Kostic, who maybe never missed a shot on target as he was coming down that left side, that is the situation where um, you're scoring goals above the XG. And in Hertha's case, their goals are below XG because they tend to miss the target or uh, they get a lot of shots blocked. Gotcha, gotcha. It's math. So long, it's math. Lo- and I'm really, long story really bad at short, math. long story short, stick with the American odds with money line and goal line spreads. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Um, there is one area that Herta's better than we are, and that's passing. Uh, we tend to do more medium to long range passing. There's is a lot more short tactical passing. I think this game's going to be a little more open, and that should favor us. Um, Matt, I was appreciative to have Kevin Trapp back. And in a game like this one, I think we're going to play open to try and put a lead away and and rest some guys. But this is also the kind of match where we tend to get countered once or twice, and we might have to rely on Kevin Trapp. How confident are you in our defense? I mean, you said it perfectly. This is going to be a trap game for us. Um, Granted, you know, they only beaten us once in the past, you know, five games. We played them. We tied them once. We won the other ones. But I feel like it's a little bit of a trap game. I mean, I feel like the when we played them uh, uh, last year towards the end, I mean, we were, I think there was like a second or third game. I mean, they scored right in the first three minutes against us. You know, we're like, all right, here we go again. Like, we just got smacked by Bayern. And now we're going to lose to Hertha. Like, this is going to be a great start of the season. So I think there's definitely going to be more of an urgency of us starting off on the right foot at first. And then, you know, having a you know good first 15 minutes, really stepping on Hertha's throats. Like, making sure that they, you know, don't counter us, like you said. But, you know, we're the Moody Diva. You know, I can see us, you know, getting that early goal. And then Hertha kind of scoring late against us in the tie as we, you know, kind of struggle to, you know, maybe hit the net. You know, maybe RKM is hitting the keeper's gloves more than, you know, the back of the net, crossing, having the ball cross the line. So I'm kind of on that side things where it's going to be a trap game. I'm not, I don't think this is going to be more about hats. I think it's going to be more about us. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I think hats are having such a heavy, heavy schedule recently, you know, losing to Union, losing to Wolfsburg. I mean, then also losing to Bochum, you know, I feel like they're going to feel a little sour where, you know, they kind of want to create a result against us. You know, there's going to be kind of a motivation factor for them to, hey, let's get out of this freaking relegation zone and put Stuttgart up there since they're losing talent currently the transfer window. So I always say hungry dogs run faster and Hertha is definitely a hungrier dog than we are. So it's really going to depend if we come out on the, come out in the first 15 minutes strong. 
Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because this is a matchup where Daichi Kamada is historically strong, more so in the road fixture than the home one. But I still think with the early rest that he had over um, the weekend, I think that puts him in a good spot to come out strong and be aggressive early on. Um, there's a lot he of scored options. against them last time. So, what's that? He did score against them in the first leg. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what he always does in Berlin. Um, it, I think we have an opportunity here to flex our offensive muscle. Um, guys like Lindstrom, who's been active but a little bit quiet on the restart. Uh, he scored a goal, but he wasn't necessarily a factor um, against Bayern. I want to see him be a little more aggressive. Um, I want to get to the point where we can get Alario back involved. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but if he's going to take up a spot in that 18, we need to get him minutes in there. And of course, Bore is the number one off the bench. But, um, you know, this might be a position where Bore could see some earlier time instead of that garbage time area. Um, I just want to try to work this offense into a little more depth and get some guys getting some meaningful minutes. I, I mentioned Alario because, God, we're paying him a decent chunk of money, and we expected him to be more active. And we're going to hit a point where we need to score goals and we don't know where they're going to come from. And I kind of need him to be rocking and rolling when Champions League comes around in just a couple weeks. Well... I would say yes regarding Alario, but I feel like he's just not been fitting in with the team at all, which is why you know, he hasn't been getting the minutes as much. And it's probably also why we're going for that uh, that PSV striker right now. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. I can look him up while I filibuster here. But um, I think his name was like Maxi or something like that. Uh, he's like a 29-year-old PSV striker, which is apparently kind of hard to get. But if we yeah. get this guy in, you know, we may end up, you know, kind of saying not goodbye to Lario, but like, hey, like, you're going to be on your way out. Like, thank you, but sorry it didn't work out. Um, yeah. Not that I wanted to because obviously he's a kind of a Bundesliga legend with Leverkusen and whatnot. And be obviously grateful to have him, especially that kind of mindset for the players off the field and trying to, you know, giving RKM his, um, you know, his uh, philosophy ideas and how the league works. Um, but again, I'm not the person that in the locker room to see that, but it's going to see if we get this maxi guy. And then if that does happen, I don't see Alario really having any more impact with us. And I think you make up, you, you bring up a good point there that uh, this transfer could be the end of that. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they've already got a deal on the side to send him off. If this one works out, uh, producer Nathan is Intel earlier on our discord channel said uh, the rumor is two players coming uh, from Eindhoven. So, Oh, Oi, es tut mir leid, aber the uh, information that Chris just said about two PSV Eindhoven players coming in a deal, well, we all know by now that that's not true. I was reading an article in German, and my German reading apprehension is, let's just call it shite. Um, so yesterday... Eintracht was looking at two central defenders, but we all know that Philip Max is on board now. Hooray, we have a new wingback. So we have Max through to the summer, and if he performs well, it's a $2 million purchase option. 
Uh, so yeah, um, sorry. Uh, I'll try to keep the misinformation to a minimum. I guess back to the show. We could always use more players. More depth is always a good thing. Um, I don't have any reason to doubt Marcus Crocia right now. Everything he has done has been gold. You know, you can question the Alario things, but there's been more more gold than coal as of late. Well, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Big you're going to have, I mean, you're gonna have those. Uh, I found it interesting here. Um, the one versus one uh, football analytics site, a vote of 420 people. 76% say Hertha Berlin is the better team over Eintracht. I'm wondering if people are caught up on names there. I just don't understand how anybody, anybody uh, could think Frankfurt is the lesser of these two from a yeah, statistical Yeah, what what's standpoint. the demographic as well of like who, who, who did the survey? Was it a bunch of, you know, Germans over there? Because if it is, there's no way how that was done correctly. That's true. This is a Premier League heavy website, so you know they're all about the names. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. All they hear is about Bayern, Dortmund, and then maybe Schalke, but that's pretty much it. Or Leipzig, I guess, as well. True. Um, so one thing we didn't mention um, previously: Paxton Aronson, uh, young American, nineteen-year-old, made his first cap for the USA um, this past week against Colombia. Played extremely well. Uh, really physical for a small guy. I mean, he needs he needs some potatoes. He needs some meat. Like, guys, get feeding him. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> who's ever running the restaurants over there in Frankfurt, get feeding this guy. Go to my buddies over at Der Feta Bowl. Uh, they'll get him a nice, good burger. He needs it. He's like 110 pounds. But he was really aggressive against Colombia. Um, I don't think we're going to see him much this year, if at all. But... Uh, he really is a promising guy for the future for us if he keeps developing. Um, who knows, though? Maybe the, the confidence that he showed in that international friendly this week, maybe he'll come back to Frankfurt this week and they'll give him some spot time. Uh, you know, this would be a good match. Get up two or three and give the kid a chance. Get him 20 minutes at the end. We'll see. So, Tell you what, man. Tell you what. I mean, the emergence of American players is definitely growing. I mean, with Weston McKinney not going over to uh... – to Leeds now to kind of, you know, play for the, for America's England, America's Premier League team now. Um, I mean, Chris Richards even getting his flowers over the Premier League. I mean, there's a couple of players right now in La Liga doing well, a couple of players even in the second Bundesliga. So, I mean, this is definitely, um, definitely a big, big year for, you know, U.S. men's national youth. And don't forget how many of those Americans cut their teeth in the Bundesliga. You know, McKinney was at Schalke. Before he was at yeah. Juventus, before he went to to the Premier League. So these, you know, the Bundesliga has always been a, next. a good haven for young Americans, even, you know, long before the Timothy Chandler days. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of them, but, but there were plenty of them there in the 90s uh, when Americans were not exporting a lot of talent anywhere. So right. it's definitely an encouraging sign and, um with Frankfurt's inroads into the American market from a business sense, from a, a tactical sense with uh, academy opportunities in a couple different places, running camps around the country, I think uh, we might see more players get that opportunity uh, to make the move 
over to Frankfurt and, and to train with the younger team and uh, hopefully here with the senior team in the future. So, Matt, we got uh, the traditional 3.30 time slot Saturday. Um, Thank God. What- Best way yeah. to wake up on a uh, best way to wake up with a hangover is just nice, nice green grass, and then you know a nice yeah. little Frankfurt fuck up to no. really get your no. blood going. Stop the matches at home. The the grass will not be nice. <laughs> it will not be green. <laughs> By the way, that that Schalke match, um, why was the grass in such bad shape? Nobody had played for two months. It looked like shit. I don't. It's been cold, I guess, over there. I mean, the mention game, there was snow around the stadium, so I don't know if they just forgot to put a tarp on when they when it was snowing a couple a couple times. So we have a roof I, that I deploys hope... with a push of a button. <laughs> yeah, but the roof will probably collapse if there's snow on top of it because I don't think there's meant for you know much weight I know. for I'm, it. I'm just saying, like for all the time they had, it's all these other stadiums can. I know we got the concrete. <laughs> right I get it, but it's just embarrassing when you get. Two months off and it looks like shit on the first day back. But <laughs> I, we need a sunny day for it to feel look actually really green because I think it was super gray. If I wasn't mistaken, I don't know. I don't remember. I can't remember shit from last week. So the Vegas effect. So Matt, what do you uh, predict here in this matchup? Uh, I, I I'm going to be optimistic here. Um, I'm going to really think it's going to be a two-one victory here for the good guys. 2-1 victory. You stole my thunder. I'm at 2-1. And actually, I think we go up 2-0. And we allow a later goal, just a desperation. Um, you know, Hertha's desperate right now. And they're going to be trying to come at us. I think we're going to be well well organized defensively. But inevitably, we're going to give up that typical goal because we don't do clean sheets around here. I may 2-1. even go a little further here. If if we go up to nothing, like you say, and Hedra scores a goal to go up 2-1, I can see us losing 3-2. Just because they're way hungrier, and that goal is going to be like, oh, hold up. This is, we we haven't scored a goal since Bochum, and, you know, now we're kind of in survival mode. I can, I can, I can totally see us happening that. Just because I'm such a big philosopher on, you know, 2 nothing is the worst lead in soccer going into halftime. What happened to I'm going to have you talking trouble by the end of the show? You totally ditched that plan, didn't you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Or I, or I was feeding you the whole time. <laughs> so we're, if you're still listening one hour into this chaos, um, we want to hear your score prediction. You can win a prize pack like Art in Seattle did. Uh, send us your prediction on Twitter at HEFpod, Instagram, at Hey on Track Frankfurt, um, Facebook.com forward slash HEF pod, or on the score prediction form on HEFPod.com. If you win, I will be in contact with you to make sure that you get a prize pack. Um, Matt, where are you on the social media landscape of this universe? Uh, you can find me on WAGMA underscore on the Twitter side of things and uh, Wagner underscore on the uh, Wagner underscore A on the Instagram side of things. And I am at C in the D313. Peloton picked up a new Frankfurt Peloton rider today. That was cool. I don't even think I Ooh, mentioned it last week. You're going to have to 
You have to grow. I'm not buy, I, I You think I can afford that? You just said I have loans to pay for. I can't pay for a Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Good point. We'll get you in a few years. Uh, You're growing Peloton. that group, though. I love it. <laughs> it's true. Instagram, Discord, at C and the D313. Our Discord chat, 24-7. Always good stuff there. That's where all the intel came about. Uh, the signings from uh, the Netherlands. Uh, good chat there about barbecue and food. Nathan complains about how cold it is in St. Louis. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So check us out <laughs> on Discord. Um, our theme music today, uh, Forza SKA by Frankfurt and Eintracht Legends Tankard. They're online at uh, reapermusic.de forward slash reaper. Our outro music is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt by Roy Hammer, Andy Perlinas. Find them at royhammer.de. All right. Thanks again uh, to all of you for listening. Like, subscribe, share. We do this for fun. If you want to be on the show, hit us up. We always like having new voices, hearing from new people. We're not shy about putting anyone on. Look, Brian brought me on two and a half years ago, and I'm still talking. Matt, you're still talking. <laughs> it's hard to get yeah. fired around here, isn't it? Oh my God, uh, we're employed. I didn't know that. This is, this is I, but it's it's cool because you know it's giving different Eintracht Frankfurt perspectives, and then once you're an avid listener, you end up finding out we're all the same fucking breed. Absolutely, it's a fantastic circle to be a part of. So yeah, uh, we will talk to you next week after uh, the three matches are played: the two for the men, the one for the women. We'll get you the feedback on those and a preview of the week to follow. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 253. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Here's the thing, though. We're done with Bayern already. The only few teams you have to worry about now are, like, obviously the Dortmund, the Leipzig, um, and then obviously Mainz because, God damn, do we not play well against them. So it's math. It's math. Hey, I'm